This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome. Warriors wrap up. And Bob Curry takes another three. It's up and good. He's got 62. On 95-7, the game. Pass to Wiseman off the pick and he flies in for a dunk. Jam. Oh, by Oubre. He caught it right at the restricted area and slammed it home with a left hand. Here's John Dickinson and Ryan Covey. Curry fakes, guarded by Conley. Off the screen. Curry dribbles in. Cruising the baseline, hook pass to Draymond, back to Curry, quick release, it's up and good, it's a three! And Stephen Curry is now second place all-time in the three-point caravan, 2,561. Only Ray Allen has made more in the NBA. Uh, One of the bright spots, maybe the lone bright spot for the Warriors tonight in Salt Lake City. Uh, as Stephen Curry moves in to that number two spot in all-time three-pointers made. Uh, Stephen Curry would finish with 24 points. He knocked down five threes. He needed four uh, on the night to pass Reggie Miller and move into number two. Now only Ray Allen remains. We welcome you into Warriors wrap-up here on 95.7 The Game. Tough night for the Warriors. They lose to the Jazz 127-108. to 888 888-957-9570. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. As the Warriors now dip to eight and eight, it was a game where they trailed by as many as forty uh, in losing uh, by nineteen, one twenty-seven to one hundred eight. Ryan Covey, do I have you with me here at the beginning of this one? I hope ugly, so. Ugly night. I'm, you do I'm here. Yeah, I got you, brother. You're cool. Well, then let's roll, baby. Uh, no, no, who cares how it sounds in my ear? As long as it sounds good to the people's ears, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, this was. Uh, Ugly tonight, J.D., and, and the two things that I said, be, be mindful of tonight. Get off to a good start and get out and defend the perimeter. Well, they did neither, uh, and they paid the price. Jazz are damn good. We know that, but uh, the Warriors got their tails kicked tonight. Uh, you know, the, the reserves, I thought, had a nice showing in the fourth quarter, and that was it. Yeah, that was it, and, and mentioned Steph off the top, obviously moving into number two all-time in terms of three-point field goals made. Uh, I, I think... Look, we talked about it on the pregame. The Jazz are really good. They're they're balanced. They're deep. They love to shoot the three, and and they they do shoot the three very well. And the one thing you couldn't do was let them get a bunch of open looks early, and the Warriors let them get a bunch of open looks early. They they knocked down four threes in the first couple of minutes. The Warriors were down 14 to nothing and 19 to 2. That's exactly what the Warriors couldn't let happen, uh, have happen to them tonight, and, and they did. And they were in a hole against the hottest team in the NBA, and they did claw their way back to cut it within five uh, in the second quarter. But 
the theme of the night is the Warriors' starting lineup. It, it continues to struggle, Covey, and I, I tweeted it out at halftime. I mean, just woeful, woeful uh, plus-minus numbers for, for the Warriors in terms of their starters at the break. I'll, I'll run through it. Draymond Green, minus 24. Wiggins, minus 25. Wiseman, minus 26. Steph at minus 23. And, oh, Kelly Oubre, he was, he was out there for all of the, the 30 that the Warriors wound up down at the half. A minus 30, and that was uh, the score at halftime, uh, 77 to 47. Uh, we've talked a lot about it, gone back and forth. I'm starting to move more toward the line of thinking that that Steve Kerr may need to make some kind of an adjustment to the starting lineup here sooner rather than later. Well, I feel like the defense has slipped. I mean, there's just, there's no question. And unfortunately that Knicks game preceded this. So it wasn't like you can look at this as an outlier and, you know, look, they were able to come back against the Clippers and the Lakers, but you don't make a living uh, with double digit comebacks versus top end teams. It just doesn't work that way, especially on the road. Uh, and Utah's one of those barns. And look, we know the Warriors had the travel issues getting in late last night. We know Utah had won seven in a row coming in by an average of 15 points. They were absolutely rolling. But I, I said I didn't need the Warriors to win this game tonight, but I needed them to show up. And giving up 39 in the first and 38 in the second, that's not showing up. And it, they got their butts kicked tonight. So it'll be back to the drawing board. What you can't do, though, J.D., is go too crazy around this. I mean, a loss is a loss is a loss. It only counts as one, although it feels like they've taken more than two in the last couple of days. It feels like they've got beat about five times in the last two games. But regardless, it's just a two-game losing streak. you got a couple games with the Timberwolves coming up. Uh, obviously, winnable games. Both will be at Chase Center. So, Back to the drawing board. Let's let's you know recommit you know themselves to the defensive side of the game in particular, uh, and, and get back at it. it. You know, look, the Warriors are a middle of the pack team, and middle of the pack teams typically are around five hundred, and that's right where they are right now. Yeah, you you look at this thing as a whole now, sixteen games into the season, and Steve Kerr. It's funny he got asked before the ball game tonight about uh, starting lineup changes again, and he he quadrupled down. I think at this point, it's not a double down or a triple down. I think he quadrupled <laughs> or maybe even quintupled down, and said he he doesn't believe that that he's close to to maybe making a move. The the, the issue to me is twofold, and and here's the thing. It's one thing to say you're going to keep Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup uh, with Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry and Draymond and Wiseman because you believe that that unit can be exceptional defensively and that you really need that group to lay a foundation that's going to set the tone for the entire team for the entire season. If you're going to do that, though, and you're going to sacrifice some offensive flow, maybe even some of Stephen Curry's ability to be aggressive and, and, and get his offensive game rolling early, if you're going to sacrifice that, then you can't give up uh, 40 points like you did on Thursday night and, and then get down 19-2 to and give up 39 in the first half, uh, quarter and then 77 in the first half. If, if you're going to keep that lineup rolling, the defense has got to be there because going into it, you already know you're sacrificing offense. That's a great point. I mean, look, we know Kelly Oubre's got his, uh, we'll call him limitations offensively right now. Uh, Draymond Green, we know he's not doing a lot of scoring. He'll facilitate, but that's that's where his offense, uh, you know, caps. Um, James Weissman, they'll be good nights at the office and bad. And, you know, Steph plays a whole first quarter. Weissman only usually plays about half. Then you make the switch. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a matter of trying to figure out how to play Curry with Pascal a little more to give him a bit of a one-two punch. Um, and, and you're right. If you're not going to, if you're quote putting your best defensive lineup out there, and then that defense is getting rolled up and putting you in massive holes. Like, what's the difference? You you could roll, you know, guys like Damian Lee out there and, and even some guys that you think maybe give you more offensive upside and Eric Paschal, if you will, uh, and, and still give up 39 points. Like, that's those guys can do that just fine, but still at least get some offensive flow going. Right now, Kelly Oubre, if he's not bringing it defensively, he's basically giving you nothing. And, look, Andrew Wiggins has been terrific this year, and I know those guys kind of get lumped in together a lot, but it's it's two very different situations. I mean, Wiggins has been so much more consistent scoring and defending, but he's had a rough week defending as well. I mean, a- a- Andrew Wiggins, he was a-, a decent scorer, especially in the second quarter when they were kind of, you know, they stemmed the tide and they were more trading buckets uh, instead of just getting rolled up. Um, but even so, he didn't have his best game defensively either, and, and nor did he against New York. And the way the Jazz are constructed, J.D., this was my concern coming into the game. I mean, we know Bogdanovich can stroke it. Uh, Conley even had his three-point shot going tonight. Um, and, and, you know, it, we know that, like, Jordan Clarkson, he didn't have a huge night tonight, but he's been in the six-man conversation this year. He's been one of the best bench players in, in the league so far. So, uh, and obviously Donovan Mitchell. So this team can shoot it a ton. O'Neal even hit some threes. I mean, everybody and their mom was dropping them off tonight, and the Warriors, they didn't defend shooters. And then when guys would drive, too, J.D., I, I almost tweeted out, like, the Warriors know it's okay to get in between guys in the basket, right? I mean, it, it was it was the same thing against New York, and this is a team that's so much better, they could make you pay even tougher. 888-957-9570, John Dickinson, Ryan Covey. It's Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. I asked the question, is now the time to make a starting lineup change, which would obviously also require a rotation change uh, if you're Steve Kerr and the Warriors. This team now 8-8. Eight and eight. They've dropped two in a row a couple of nights ago after the win against San Antonio. We talked about it, the fact that there's a real chance for this team to, to push forward uh, above 500. Uh, even if they went into Salt Lake City and didn't win, now's where you feel the loss against the Knicks a little bit more. Uh, when you take that loss and things start to turn, and then uh, you, you go into Salt Lake City and you get run out by a team that's playing as well as the Jazz, it, it sets up some pressure for, for this team, again, moving forward. Really, I think for the first time uh, in, in a while uh, at 8-8, eight and eight, and now you're going home, and, and let's be honest, you got Minnesota a couple of times, and then you're going to Phoenix, uh, and, and then you got the Detroit Pistons at, at Chase Center a week from tonight. And the reality is now the Warriors, you know, you can say 8-8, eight and eight, and this is what this team is. And I think we all, uh, for the most part, understand that. But now it becomes go time again for this team. They need to be yeah. eleven and nine. They need to win. They need to win both Minnesota games and the Phoenix uh, game. You take your chances, and at a minimum, that Detroit game. And in January, eleven and nine, and, and a week from tonight, we'll maybe be having a different conversation because of the layout of that schedule, and because Steve Kerr has said, "Hey, I'm going to give it twenty games." Uh, a couple of different times, it kind of makes me think that he's going to let it go one more, almost go game to game with it now. And if they yeah. play well against Minnesota, he'll ride it out a little while longer. But to me, you're one step away. Uh, you're one more bad game away from, from having to make some of those changes that I think people have already been longing to see. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, look, the the Nick game was on the heels of two very comprehensive wins, so those just don't go away, right? I mean, the Nick game, you hit on it perfectly in the pregame. They were kind of feeling themselves a bit, and, and they got burned. Uh, 
Tonight, you just you got smoked by a much better basketball team, but the compete level wasn't there. And look, Steve Kerr's job is to to go in that bag of tricks, to, to go in that playbook of his and find some solutions. So um, if if you keep running out the same lineup and they keep getting rolled up, like you, you're forced to make a change. So I think, too, J.D., you're right on the game-to-game basis thing because figure this, you lose your next game, well, that means you just lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So... If ever there was a time to make a change, and guess what? You got the Timberwolves coming up the following game after that, so and then you'll need to get that win just to get back to 500. Uh, so clearly, if you lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I don't even care if it's a close game. Even if you quote play well in stretches, like it doesn't matter. If, if unless Ubre like goes off or something, or, or Wiseman like, and it's other guys that don't bring it, um, I don't think there's really a, a scenario where they don't beat the Timberwolves and Steve Kerr doesn't make lineup changes, right? I mean, it just that's that's price of admission stuff, bro. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We're going to hear from Steve Kerr. We're also going to hear from Steph Curry. A real cool moment during Steph Curry's post game Zoom uh, press conference uh, that that we're going to get to and play you play for you here between now and about eight uh, about nine forty nine forty five or so. Uh, we'll keep things rolling here on Warriors wrap up. Let's get to Cleve uh, in San Jose. Cleve, you're on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, how are you doing? What's up, Cleve? How are you? I'm great, thank you. I want to start with, you know, I love Kerr. I think he's a great coach, fantastic. And he's been great for the Warriors, his whole staff. But I don't understand when... I think he should have played the starters longer in the second half because they need more court time together. And just to sit them when these people really haven't played that much together... It doesn't make any sense to me. I know you're going to lose the game, but they need to play together and, you know, build some team unity. That's all I'm saying. Thanks, Cleve. I appreciate the call. Appreciate the call, uh, Cleve. Cleve in in San Jose checking in here. It's a catch-22. Because you're also a team that's going to play – the games are coming rapid fire, and I think the Warriors looked a little tired on Thursday. I think going to Salt Lake City and coming back doesn't help that. And then you're going Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday before you get two days before your next game that first week of February. I think Steve Kerr was caught between maybe wanting to do that, but you're also getting uh, you're getting your tail kicked, and I think you also want to make sure that you're resting guys that you know you're going to need because the margin for error is so slim. You need those minutes to translate Monday, frankly, and into a win against Minnesota like we're talking about more than you need them to get court time against the team that's tied for the best record in the NBA now. Yeah, discretion is the better part of valor right there for Steve Kerr. I mean, it's you know I'm sure he wanted to let these guys stay out there and, and either ride it out as a group and figure some things out or take their lumps as a group and um, you know not put it on the, the reserves uh, to go out there and you know keep taking those broadsides. But, hey, I, I actually – I think his decision actually got validated because, I mean, now you've got – Green played 25 tonight, Curry 27. Even none of your starters outside of Curry played more than 25 minutes. Curry with 27, and actually Curry shot the ball fine tonight. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a huge problem with Steph Curry's game, but you've also given some reserve guys uh, an opportunity. I mean, Poole played 18 tonight, um, Wanamaker 14, Damian Lee played 15. That's about his usual run, I guess. But the, the point is, you got some other guys, some extended run, and you might need these guys. Toscano Anderson played nine minutes tonight. So you might need these guys at some point as well. Uh, I thought it was the right move. Um, if you had maybe a couple days off after this, sure, leave the starters in a little longer. But also, 
Like, there's also part of it too, J.D., starters kind of didn't deserve to be out there either, right? Like, hey, maybe it's like when your quarterback goes out there and throws three picks. You know, we're not, we're not giving your job to the other guy, but we're going we're gonna to let him play for a while because this ain't your night. Maybe, maybe sit down and watch over here for a while. Your services won't be required for the rest of the night. 888-957-9570. Let's hear a little bit from Steve Kerr here following the ball game, uh, talking about uh, the ball game tonight uh, first and foremost here and, and getting down big in Utah and losing. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, uh, you know, Utah came out on fire. They executed their offense beautifully. We weren't rotating well, but they really spaced us out. And uh, 14 nothing. you know, before you knew it, and, like you said, nineteen to two. So um, it was a it was a, a rough rough go out there, and, uh, and we climbed back in it. Our, our second group did a good job getting back in it, but uh, you know, obviously it was it was not our night. And uh, before we react to that, I want to play another one here because the, the question did come up as you knew it would regarding the starting lineup and and where the Warriors are at. And every time the Warriors don't play well, this question comes up. Like I said, it came up before the game. Uh, Steve Kerr with a little bit of a different tone about it, though, after the game. Let's go ahead and roll this. The main thing is our defense. We have to be playing with, with energy and focus, and we got to get after it at that end of the floor. Uh, but there's no doubt that um, you know we're, we have to assess everything as a staff, as an organization, you know, how, we're, how we're looking at this season. Uh, what what our goals are, um, everything everything is up for uh, adjustments. That tells me that he's closer to making a change than he's ever been, even if he didn't want to go there two and a half hours earlier. Yeah, and look, that's the results bear that out. Like at some point, you need to make a change, so that's fine. And and Rut, look, we're you, he said twenty games. Like we'll be at twenty games. After this stretch, uh, you know, a, a couple against the T-Wolves, Phoenix, and then Detroit, right? So that's 20. Um, but I, I think, like you said, that change will probably come a little bit sooner. It might even come as soon as their first game against the T-Wolves. Um, either way, though, whether Kelly Oubre is starting or coming off the bench, however they roll the rotation, these guys just need to play better defense. Like, like the effort the last couple nights has been, I'll just say putrid. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. And, and here's the thing, like, We'd seen them make great strides in that area. We, we saw them look awful to start the year. Then they found a bit of a flow. That seven-game homestand was a huge part of it. Um, but the the consistency hasn't been there. And, and the efforts night to night, you know, even within games, they've got stretches. And all teams go through it. I understand that. And, and I think we're all aware that this is still a work in progress. But there's a difference between working out the kinks and y'all just didn't show up. And I think this is two nights in a row where they just straight up didn't show up. Yeah, let's hear from Steph Curry on on the struggling starting lineup because he had an interesting take as well on the defense right out of the shoot in this one tonight. It's a work in progress, obviously. The numbers aren't great, but we're just trying to figure it out. Obviously, offensively, if we don't make shots, the sense of urgency, there's a lot of pressure and expectation on us defensively, and we fought. For the most part, down you know the last six minutes of that second or that first quarter, make it respectable. Just couldn't put anything together and sustain it to make it a game. So we do have stuff to figure out. Obviously, I don't have the answers right now. So yeah, Steph doesn't have the answers. Uh, actually, there was another uh, a piece that maybe we can play a little bit later where where he was talking about 
basically the starting lineup need to have a better attention to detail as to what teams, what the opponent likes to do. Uh, and, yeah. and he referenced the three-point shot uh, of the Jazz. Like, hey, the Jazz love to shoot the three, and we came out and gave them four open threes in the first couple of minutes of the game and got down 14 to nothing because they knocked down all four of them. Uh, and, you know, that that – that is the, the the tone of you know that that's Steph is usually not the guy that will be he's honest but he's not overly critical and right. that that bite told me something uh you know that quote told me something like hey like it ain't working right now and it was almost maybe a little bit of a a subtle plea in a way so we'll we'll try to rack that one up but I wanted you to react to to that as well. Yeah, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Mitchell and Bogdanovich hitting threes early. I mean, what, Royce O'Neal uh, hit a couple early, Conley hit one. So they'll they'll come from all over the place. And, I mean, it, look, I just talk about this team for a living, and I could have told you coming in, you need to get out and defend the perimeter. That was my key to the game coming in. And so, I mean, if I know that, they should damn well know that. And, again, like, Ball movement, like when, when teams are moving the ball, Chris, playing catch up is tough when you're when you're kind of reacting. Um, and, and then, you know, you kind of get the head down a little bit and you're always a step slow and they just kind of looked a little sluggish tonight. And, and the Jazz looked up for this one, too. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. It was kind of the perfect storm. Um, but the Jazz didn't do anything that the, the Warriors didn't think they were going to do coming in. They're, they're going to, you know, make the extra pass and, and you know, they're going to – they're going to set guys up for open shots, and, and they're going to shoot a ton of threes, and that's what they did tonight. And uh, if you're not going to at least put your hands up and defend somebody and get out and, and contest those shots, like that's that's the minimum requirement at the NBA level. Get out and at least get a hand up and contest a shot. Guys are, are shooting with guys you know two three feet wide open. Like that's that's unacceptable. Warriors wrap up. John Dickinson, Ryan Covey on ninety-five-seven. The game Jazz beat the Warriors one twenty-seven to one hundred eight. So the Dubs now eight and eight on the season. It was a special night for Stephen Curry. Uh, one of the lone bright spots for the Warriors in this one is Steph passes Reggie Miller for number two all time in career three pointers made. Uh, we're going to hear from Steph Curry on that. And there was a surprise guest in the post game Zoom room. Uh, We'll have that audio for you as well. Still time for some phone calls. Is it time to make a lineup change if you're Steve Kerr after the starters were throttled again in this one by the Jazz? Uh, We'll get to all of that coming up. It's Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. Curry fakes, guarded by Conley. Off the screen, Curry dribbles in. Cruising the baseline, hook pass to Draymond, back to Curry, quick release, it's up and good, it's a three! And Stephen Curry is now second place all-time in the three-point caravan, 2,561. Only Ray Allen has made more in the NBA. Now, back to Warriors Wrap-Up with John Dickinson and Ryan Covey on 95.7 The Game. Darn right we're playing that twice, Covey. We played it at the top of the show. We're playing it again. That, that's big time. Steph Curry, number two on the all-time three-pointers made list. And he's chasing Ray Allen. I mean, it's only a matter of, of when, not if, uh, for Steph Curry. But uh, really, one of the one, one of the thrilling uh, moments uh, of the night, really the lone one for, for the Warriors, is Steph moving up to number two on that list. Really cool, uh, cool tonight for Steph. 
Yeah, and we'll see you soon, Ray Allen, uh, probably hopefully sometime next year for Steph Curry. And, look, it's a testament to his longevity and, and how he's revolutionized the game. Really cool moment. You, you'd love to do that in a win. Hell, you'd love to do that at the Chase Center in front of about 20,000 fans. But, um, you know, that's a, maybe for another time. But either way, you know, win, lose, or, or whatever tonight, that's just a, an absolute tribute and a testament to Steph Curry's ability. All right, so let's hear from the man himself, Steph Curry postgame in the Zoom room. Uh, this was Steph uh, first here, just on moving up to, to number two. And then notice a little surprise uh, along the way here. It's special. Let's try to enjoy it in the middle of the game because I knew it was on the horizon and I knew how much I looked up looked up to him growing up, you know, watching him play, playing against my dad, emulating a lot of things he did, moving out the ball. I always said him and Steve Nash. I try to put those two players together. Oh, <laughs> what up, Reg? <laughs> um, and so uh, that's pretty dope. So I was trying. Obviously, we're getting our head beat tonight, and I was trying to still enjoy it. I think I threw up the, the thirty-one uh, after I made the third one because I knew that was a big one. And then uh, to make that fourth one in the third quarter was pretty special. So, so. In the midst of that, you hear, what's up, Reg? That's because Reggie Miller and Reggie's son, Riker, popped up in the Zoom room uh, in in one of the boxes, and Steph noticed it. Uh, So that was Steph reacting to Reggie Miller, who he passed to move up to to number two on the all-time list. And then Steph was congratulated first here by Reggie's son, Riker. Congratulations, Mr. Curry. All your jerseys and shorts. Thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate it, man. I see you wearing the jersey. Um, I appreciate that a lot. It means a lot to uh, be right there with, with the whole Miller family. So I appreciate you, bro. How how cool is that? And, and Riker's That's... wearing a Steph Curry jersey, for crying out loud. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. And by the way, uh, Steph did it in, what, about 500 less threes than Reggie Miller uh, as far as attempts go. So, uh, no, really cool of Reg, though, to – commemorate the moment have his young buck on there and i think look hey i'll, I'll just I'll, I'll break some news for you even outside of the bay area steph curry very popular amongst the kids the, the, the kids love steph and steph love the kids so uh really cool moment and and that's also speaks to who reggie miller is too i mean we know he's an analyst and and he does a terrific job reggie miller is one of my favorite analysts no question uh and it really cool for him because the nba is a fraternity jd and look records are meant to be broken and I, and I know he's only moving up to number two but um you know look that's iconic stuff right there so so good for him, good for Steph, and, and really cool that Reggie Miller uh, was on there with his kid to commemorate it. Just a, a great moment, man. Yeah, great moment indeed, and, and obviously Steph addressing you know the fact that it's special for him considering the player he was growing up watching him. Obviously, Reggie played against Steph's dad. Uh, Reggie Miller himself then got into the act and, and congratulated Steph. And we speak for a lot of people Around the world, Steph, number one, congratulations. This is an unbelievable achievement, but the work is not done. Obviously, I know you're chasing Ray, but you are an inspiration to so many little ones uh, like mine, and I'm just so proud of all the work because I know what goes into that. I know the, the countless hours when it's easy to, you know, go hang with your boys Uh, hit the club, sleep, do other things, but you're in the lab getting your work done. So the sacrifices, obviously, 
with your family. You're an unbelievable father and family man. And I know there's sacrifices that come with that. And the blended, uh, the blend that you have with your family and basketball and Dub Nation, um, the Millers are very proud of you, especially this little guy. Um, he is your number one fan. So thank you so much for what you have done, my friend. I mean, that is just unassailably cool. I mean, that is just that is just unbelievably cool for Reggie Miller to just pop up in the Zoom uh, to surprise Steph Curry on the night that Steph Curry passes Reggie Miller and moves into number two on the all-time list. I mean, I got all the feels right now, Covey. Of course, man. And look, Reggie Miller's a G. Like, we know that. Well, come on, what he did against the Knicks in the playoffs and just the Spike Lee choke. I mean, the only thing Reggie Miller never quite did was win an NBA title. Other than that, though, Reggie Miller basically did it all at the NBA level. Did it in that Indiana market. Uh, just handled everything like a gentleman, as I mentioned. He's one of my favorite analysts in the game. He's just got a, you know, a real perspective. And it's just those are a couple of guys for me, J.D., that just get it, right? I mean, you know, Steph's obviously – carried himself so well here in the Bay so many years. Um, you know, he's a, he's a cornerstone for the NBA. That's that's kind of the, the way I look at a guy like Steph Curry, a pillar, uh, and, and Reggie Miller was before him. And, you know, you look at the list, right? I mean, we know that he's now, what, 411 behind Ray Allen after passing Reggie Miller tonight. Uh, but you look at the, the percentages and, and the, no, the total number of makes versus attempts. I mean, Steph Curry, the, the most telling stat for me, Steph Curry is number, uh, out of the top 50, J.D., Steph Curry is number one in three-point field goal percentage at 43.3%, uh, I guess 433%, right? And then uh, Kyle Korver at 429. Uh, Clay's fourth, by the way, at 419. Um, so if we're talking about percentage, Steph's right there. By comparison, Ray Allen, a career 40% three-point shooter. Ray, Reggie Miller, 395. So, um you know, he's done more with less, and, and eventually he'll pass Ray Allen, but really cool of Reggie Miller to uh, commemorate that tonight and bring it on his kid, too. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, just tremendous stuff and, and, a, and a fantastic moment. And then uh, to wrap up uh, the, the sound portion of that, just to let everybody uh, hear, uh, here was Steph uh, thanking Reggie Miller for, for popping on. That means a lot, Reg. I appreciate it. Um, like you said, I know I have a lot more to take, but to uh... – to try to live out all those, you know, that, that competitive juice, the the work that goes in, the appreciation of every game I get to play, and the, to uh, to shoot the ball at this level, obviously doing a lot of other things, but to to uh, to follow your footsteps in that regard, it means a lot. So I appreciate the support. You and Ray have been. If I'm chasing any record to have two guys that have uh, reached back and encouraged me the way that y'all have, it means a lot. So I'll pass that torch on as well. But uh, I appreciate you, man, and thanks for all the all the support. And, and it's, it, I mean, it, it's just awesome, and it's awesome that that Ray Allen and Reggie Miller have been so cool about it. I mean, they, they have not been uh, the Miami Dolphins popping the champagne bottles every time a team <laughs> might go undefeated. Uh, you know, winds up coming up a little bit short. Now, now maybe part of that is is the fact that this thing's inevitable and has been for a long time that that Steph at the pace that he was on uh was eventually going to run both of these guys down and, and and be the first player in NBA history obviously to to hit over 3000 uh three-pointers and then he's just going to raise the bar far higher uh it, it beyond that, but it, it also I think it just goes to show how cool Reggie Miller and, and how cool Ray Allen are and, and Steph uh, obviously was able to address that. 
Yeah, and clearly you can tell that Ray Allen and, and Reggie Miller, they had their influence on Steph when he was in high school and in, and in college playing at Davidson. Like, you know, th- these generations pass torches down from one to the next. And, and look, when you talk about, like, a young player, obviously Steph was the son of Del Curry, so uh, his path was laid out before him. He grew up in a basketball home. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they grow up watching the generation ahead of them. And I know that there was obviously some, some big-time overlap, especially with a guy like Ray Allen. Uh, but, you know, these guys, they, they grew up playing and, and they obviously got their love for the game somewhere. And clearly these guys, you know, the, the older cats were influences on the next generation. And then wait till, you know, we're sitting here 10 years from now, 12 years from now. And, and a guy like Trey Young is moving up this list. Right. And, and then you start to say, wow, you know, the, the impact that Steph Curry had. And then Steph's the dude maybe jumping in the live press conference as opposed to the Zoom because, you know, the pandemic will be over by then, you would think. <laughs> but either way, I mean, that's again, man, that's what it's all about. It's I'm a big I'm a big on the uh, you know the cycle of sports right JD and and the the passing of the torch right one generation to the next and and keeping that sacred and 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 making it mean something right and look these records if if the old guard it doesn't matter to them or it doesn't matter to the next generation these these records they're just numbers on a page but clearly it matters to these guys and their legacies matter and um you know when a guy like Steph Curry passes you that's not a knock I mean Talking about the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history, and he didn't pass you for 64th on the all-time list. He moved into number two tonight. So very cool, and it should be uh, celebrated, and I'm glad Reggie Miller has that perspective. Absolutely. Warriors wrap-up, John Dickinson, Ryan Covey, about another 10 minutes or so here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, really the, the lone bright spot for the Warriors in the ballgame tonight. Uh, of, of consequence with Stephen Curry passing Reggie Miller for number two on the all-time three-pointers made list. Warriors blown out by the Jazz, 127-108. to 108. Uh, A wire-to-wire win for Utah. The Warriors were down 14 to nothing right off the jump, 19-2. to They trailed by as many as 40. Uh, they did outscore the Jazz 36-19 to in the fourth quarter, and that, that's the only thing that cosmetically will make it look like it, it wasn't uh, as one-sided an affair as it actually was. The 19-point final deficit, uh, I mean, it, this game was – this felt like a 30-point drubbing at a minimum uh, for the Jazz tonight to improve to 12-4. and The Warriors now 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Just a, a poor defense at the start. Uh, for the Warriors in this one, Steph and Wiggins shot the ball pretty well. Uh, Wiseman actually wound up having a pretty good uh, mop-up time fourth quarter to finish seven for fifteen. Uh, but other than that, uh, it was just it was really rough uh, both ways, and it's led us again down this path of do the Warriors have to make some kind of a change? If they do, uh, what do you think the move is? Because for me. For me, it's Damian Lee in, Kelly Oubre yeah. out, and then you have to figure out how that's going to affect everybody else. I also think it, it's time to move on from the Jordan Poole is going to get his little four- or five-minute run uh, with that second unit. I, I think those minutes need to go to Michael Mulder, uh, and maybe with Lee entering the starting lineup, Mulder can take some of Lee's minutes uh, that, that he would be playing with the bench group to offset because you have to move Lee in with the starting group, but... Uh, those would be the two moves that would be the starting point for me. Yeah, I mean, you're onto it, JD. Look, every time Damian Lee goes out there and plays, there's a, there's a level of intent, there's a level of determination. He's an overachiever for me so far. For whatever reason, Kelly Oubre's been an underachiever. So 
Um, I, I wouldn't have any problem with that. And and although at the, at the start of the year I did dub Jordan Poole my uh, you know adopted uh, warrior to grow this year, um, it, it certainly hasn't happened yet. And, and Michael Mulder, like every time the guy goes out there, he. He looks comfortable, and, and I think he's deserving of more minutes. And so I, I would agree. I, I think that's that's a pretty solid assessment because, look, guys like Bazemore, you're going you're gonna to get what you get, and, and you're pretty much, I don't want to say hamstrung at the center position, but there's only so many options you have at the five, right? And Pascal's going to get his time uh, at, you know, at the small ball five, it, and, and clearly that's scoring in the second unit. You need it. I guess maybe if you could find a way for Pascal and Curry to figure it out, to, how to play together for stretches, but – Ah, you know, even that, like, I, I think you need, like, the kind of that, that lead dog offensively, you know, for, for both of those units, if you will. So I think that's probably it. Damian Lee into the starting lineup, Kelly Oubre to the bench, because I also think Curry and Damian Lee can play together. They both can play fast. Damian Lee can defend uh, the other team's top guard. Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly a, a, a try-hard guy, and, you know, oftentimes for me that's all it takes defensively. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would be the worst idea. You just have to – you know, ask yourself at that point, okay, well, how many minutes do you give Kelly Oubre? What's his leash like? And then what do you do if he struggles coming off the bench? I know the Warriors aren't committed to him long-term, so it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out for Kelly Oubre. just going to cost Joe Lake of a lot of money. Um, but you still – you don't want to throw in the towel on Kelly Oubre either because, I mean, heck, you got, uh, you know, what, 50, 55, 56 games left, and you're going to need him still. Yeah, you are going to need him, and I think if you if you start Lee with Curry, the big problem with the, the starting lineup now is just there's too many players. If Ubre's not making shots, that you can just sag off of if if you're the opposition. I mean, Draymond teams were already doing that with with Draymond. Uh, I, I think now you, Wiseman at times has not been an offensive threat other than uh, in the dunker spot, really, for the game against San Antonio. You just don't know on a night-to-night basis how much of an offensive threat he's going to be. There's there's games where it's been there. There's games where, where it hasn't been there. So you're, you're really looking almost at if, if Oubre's not making shots, they can sag off a of green, they can sag off of Oubre, and then – and then maybe even Wiseman is somebody that, that as long as you're keeping him off that dunker spot, he's not always looking to be the most aggressive. So uh, I, I think that's in part led to uh, you know Steph Curry being caught between a, a rock and a hard place as far as knowing when to be aggressive, but how to let others get in the flow. And he, he just hasn't been a high-usage player with that group. And I think in the games where the Warriors have played well – it's been because he's made a conscious effort to go out and get his first, and then everybody else falls in line. So if, if some of those other guys like Ubre are not playing well, uh, at least Steph has gotten rolling, and you're at least in the game, and, and he's cooking, and maybe you can win based on Steph and the bench and maybe one other guy in the starting lineup like a Wiggins having, sure. having a good night. So uh, I, I think Lee is the move just to provide more shooting uh, with Steph and, and just another player that you can't sag off of. I think it would actually free some things up maybe a little bit for Wiggins and even Wiseman. Yeah, absolutely. It's just too easy to defend the Warriors right now. And and here's the other thing, too, and, and the offense is, is critical. I mean, we know that. But if the Warriors are just letting the other team go down and, and fill it up, uh, you know, at will, you know, with all these uncontested shots, like – 
it's really not going to matter. We know the Warriors don't have the kind of firepower uh, to, to trade blows with the Jazz to the tune of Utah putting up, um, you know, whatever it was, 70, 77 points in the first half tonight. Like, the Warriors don't have that kind of firepower. You know, you could do it for a spurt here, you know, a quarter there, but certainly not for 48 minutes. So they need to have defensive stretches where they, they slow the game down and, and you know, kind of set the tone like that. But either way, I mean, it's, it's kind of a mess at both ends right now. And, yes, the offense. Defense is, is critical, and when Ubre's not scoring and, and Draymond's not giving you any scoring, which he hasn't for some time now, it just it, it makes it the, all the focus is on Steph Curry, and he has to work twice as hard uh, to get his shots up. Uh, but it also tires him out, and, and then he's a liability defensively, and there's there's just a massive trickle down. But for me, I'm always going to go back to if the Warriors are going to have any success this year, it is going to start on the defensive end. That's where they can make their hay and, and close some of that separation, where maybe they don't have the offensive firepower. Because I mean. JD, I mean, you look at the Utah Jazz, the Warriors aren't hanging with them offensively, right? You just start to go down the list. It's advantage Utah, advantage Utah. Um, so they, that's where they can make up that ground. But when you're not doing any of those defensive things either, I mean, you're basically going to get rolled, and they did. Anthony Slater, the athletic, had a pretty good nugget uh, as the game closed tonight. And the Warriors, as he put it, a pretty fortunate 8-8 eight and eight considering – now a minus 59 through 16 games. The Warriors have the sixth worst plus minus, uh, or, or point differential rather, uh, in the NBA, uh, ahead of only the Pistons, Magic, Thunder, Kings, and the Timberwolves. So, uh, nice. yeah, it, that, that, the, the minus 59 in terms of point differential, uh, that's something that would tell you that, that that exactly what Anthony's saying there—that they're fortunate that maybe they're not six and ten uh, at this point and, and on a, and on a worse path. They have some pretty good wins. Again, it's the Laker game and the Clipper game, uh, really, that that have helped push the Warriors in this position where I think they have to like where they're at overall. Still, even though tonight was pretty rough. Well, this was kind of you know when you and I talked about this team coming into the season, I said, look, there's going to be some nights where. They, they just don't got it, and, and they get rolled. And we saw that coming into the season a couple of games. The Portland game, obviously, that first one. Um, tonight, like, they just didn't have it, and, and they're going to get touched up. When they're going to have to – if they're going to overachieve this year or, you know, be a playoff team and, or exceed expectations, they're going to have to win the close ones. And that's Damian Lee hitting the shot against Chicago. That's seeing out those comebacks against the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, and winning some close games. That's stealing one against Toronto when maybe you, you might have tricked it off down the stretch. Like, so they've, they've still done enough, you know, in those individual moments in time. But, you know, look, they, they did it, and, and so they earned it. And so that's why they got to win that night instead of a loss. I mean, sure, they could be 7-9, and 6-10, and 10, something like that. But the good news is you're 8-8, eight and eight and you got the T-Wolves coming to town. And think about this, J.D. Four games ago, you know, you lose in Denver, you're 6-6. Six and six, and you're going to L.A. So a little bit different, right? I mean, you know, same situation where you're back to 500. You've dropped a couple games in a row. But this time you don't have the Lakers and the Spurs coming up. you got a couple of games against the Timberwolves. So I, I think maybe they flipped it, right? You would have thought maybe they would lose to the Lakers and the Spurs. Or, you know, at least maybe lose to the Lakers and lose to the Jazz, but beat the, the Pistons and the Spurs. It, it doesn't matter. Like, here we are. They're 8-8, eight and eight and they got two games coming up against the Timberwolves. So they still can feel like if they get this thing right and they sort some things out defensively, they could be 10 and 8 after 18 games and that would that's great. 
Yeah, and the Timberwolves got a win tonight. Uh, so the Timberwolves, who have been struggling, I know they had a big lead in the game the other night against Orlando where they led for the entirety of that ball game and then got beat on a Cole Anthony three-pointer at the buzzer. Uh, but the Timberwolves uh, playing tonight, and, and the Timberwolves were able to finally get a victory uh, as Minnesota beat the Pelicans 120-110. to So the Timberwolves had a, had a losing skid. Uh, that they were able to stop and uh, now are 4-11. and 11. Uh, So you still look at the Western Conference standings as Minnesota comes in. And again, they're here for two. Uh, they're at the bottom of the Western Conference right now. And these three of the next four games, Phoenix played the back-to-back games against Denver. They went to double overtime tonight uh, after, after going to overtime last night. Uh, and the Denver took them both in Phoenix tonight. So the Suns are actually all the way down to eight and seven. So just looking ahead here in the final two or three minutes, uh, it'll be Minnesota for two, and the T-Wolves come in four and 11, then on to Phoenix, who's eight and seven right now. And then the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA currently at three and 13. And, and the Warriors obviously beat them with a big fourth quarter right before the new year. So as ugly as tonight was, uh, the Warriors do still have a real good shot at getting to 11 and nine, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna put the, the 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 JD stamp on this, and we'll revisit it a week from tonight. Okay. Price of admission: the Warriors need to get three of the next four. They need to get both Minnesotas and Detroit. I'm gonna give a little wiggle room on Phoenix, maybe you, <laughs> you, you but but for the other the other three. Those are must-wins because it gets a little tougher after that. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but it's Boston and a pair of Dallases on the road after that. So you got to make sure you're 11-9 and at that 20-game mark. And, and again, I think a week from tonight, we'd, we'd feel pretty good about everything if that's the case. Yeah, still got a chance to get this thing back on track. It's it's not over like the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, it's you got a Ooh. chance there, no doubt. Conor's got knocked out, by the way. Uh, but absolutely, you got an opportunity to to get this thing back on track. And and guess what? I mean, you look up too. I mean, I know you mentioned Dallas. They they don't play any defense. They gave up 133 to Houston tonight. They're they're kind of a mess right now. So um, yes, right now the only thing that matters is working out these kinks, getting getting the focus back defensively. Whatever that's going to take, and whether it's Draymond Green setting the tones, you know, Steve Kerr getting after him again, whatever it's going to take. But you got a Timberwolves team coming to town for two, and, and I agree with you, J.D. It's not about beating the and, – and you can only play them one at a time. You can't look at them like, oh, we got to get both of these. Nope. Go out and win your next game. And how do you do that? Go out and win the first quarter, right? Go out and get off to a good start in that first game against the Timberwolves and, and get back to – get some of that swag back, get some of that feel-good back. Because this team's already had some great moments, right? I mean, I know it's, it looks bad right now. They've lost two in a row in, in pretty bad fashion. But by and large, this team's had really nice stretches this year on both ends of the floor. So they, they've got that to, to fall back on. They know they can get it there, but it's just about getting back to work, rolling up your sleeves, and, and just kind of getting back to that blue-collar way of doing things. Great stuff tonight, my man. Always fun. And, uh, you know, extended hey. pregame coverage. We're rolling into the night, and we're back at it on Monday. Good stuff, brother. Hey, no, good stuff for you, J.D. Ladies and gentlemen, John Dickinson did Warriors this week for four hours, an hour and a half pregame, watched the game, and then did an hour postgame. I know, I know we're not, as they say, digging ditches around here, but that makes for a long day, my friend. So props to you, absolutely. I'm living the dream, and I'm looking forward to doing it again next Saturday. That, that's what it's all about. But let's get to Monday first, and then enjoy enjoy the day off tomorrow. Enjoy the football, it, uh, everybody. For Ryan Covey, I'm John Dickinson. Thanks to Arden. Thanks to Sam. Thanks to Sterling uh, in the studio as well. Uh, we'll be back Monday at 5.30, Prayers Live, with Jim Barnett as he'll join us uh, for that one. 
uh, Warriors and the Timberwolves right here on 95.7 The Game. So that'll do it. Fox Sports Radio coming up next. Jazz beat the Dubs 127-108. to You heard it right here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.